Everybody hear me okay? Great, fantastic. All right, well folks, if we could get ready for the panel. My name is Anthony Bruno. I am the moderator for this panel. I, uh, I'm gonna quickly let the panelists here introduce themselves, tell us who they are, what they've been doing, and what they've been up to. And this is a panel about how musicians are making money, which is a question I think a lot of people are, uh, are having these days. So what we're gonna do is, uh, like I said, we're, we're each gonna introduce ourselves, who we are, what we do, what we've been up to, and a little icebreaker question, what was the last concert or show we attended and, and where? So I'm gonna start by way of example. I used to be the digital music editor for Billboard magazine, I did it for about seven years, and covered the space pretty closely. I'm now a consultant with a number of different clients, one of which is digitalmusic.org, which is a division of NARM that focuses on digital music retailers and basically monetizing music in the digital space. I also have other, hey, I also have some other clients, Beatport, it's a digital music retailer for uh, electronic dance music and a few projects here and there. So that's kind of what I've been up to lately. And the last concert, this is really sad. I'm sort of like a suburban, you know, dad. So the last concert I went to was actually in August, shame to say. And I saw Iron Maiden at the Comfort Dental Amphitheater. <laughs> so just imagine the promos on that one, you know? So that was fantastic. So to my left. So it's the last concert. That was the last concert I went to. The last concert we went to this thing. Yeah, I just got to start talking. Last concert we went to, the last one we enjoyed. I enjoyed the hell out of it, okay. but it was the last one I went to. Right, I'm going to start with the last concert I enjoyed it, too, was Lady Gaga before her hip went totally sideways on her. Lady Gaga at the uh, Staples Center. My name is Steve Rennie. I am a, a manager by trade. That's my day gig. I manage uh, a little rock band from Southern California called Incubus, and I've been with those guys for the better part of 17 years now, and uh, we've had a great ride and uh, still going strong. Recently, in my off-season, which happens in between records, I decided to play a little less golf and spend a little bit more time talking with young musicians and folks that are interested in the music business as a profession. And, and I started this website called Renman Music and Business to help young music industry professionals and musicians navigate their way around what I like to refer to as the real music business, not the uh, fairy tale version. RenmanMusicAndBusiness.com. I have cards here, but I've been told not to shamelessly promote. So I'll After just, the panel's over, I'm sure you'll be rushed. Yes. <laughs> Do it modestly. Modesty is not my strongest suit. <laughs> yes. Hi, I'm Kristen Thompson. I'm with the Future of Music Coalition, which is a group that advocates for musicians. I've been with FMC since it started in 2000. And most recently, I've been, I've been working on a research project called Artist Revenue Streams. And we've been working on that for about two years now, gathering information. It's a multi-method cross-genre project to learn how musicians are on the revenue streams on which they're relying, how they're changing over time, and why which is really appropriate for today's conversation. Prior to FMC work, I ran an independent record label called Simple Machines, and I was in a band called Tsunami. I'm still in a band now, but we don't play much. And last show I saw was Aaron McCowan at Johnny Brenda's, and right before that I saw the Hold Steady at Union Transfer, and they were awesome. Oh, hi, I'm East Bay Ray. I'm a guitar player from the band Dead Kennedys. And back in the day, I was like the one that kind of helped set up our independent record label. And I read a book called This Business of Music back in the day, and it saved us a lot of grief, shall we say. So we've been independent all, all, our, all our career. We own most of the masters of our records, and we've been doing very, very well. Uh, we actually very, very proud that we're one of the... Few independent bands that we we actually earned a gold record here in the United States and the United Kingdom. 
I think it's only us and the Grateful Dead that have done it independently. And I um, graduated from University of California, um, Berkeley, and no math and no computer code, too. <laughs> so. <laughs> And, oh, the last concert I went to was uh, the great Merle Haggard out in, out, it was out in Napa, and it was a great, great show. He was 75 years old, a little bit slower, but he could hit half the notes, which is, <laughs> which is better than Lady Gaga hitting all her notes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and just to set uh, the stage, this is pretty much the way the rest of the going to go right now, I think. That's okay? just, uh, you I know, just that's, just, show, that's, Ray. I that's just like a joke. Him. That's just a joke. Yeah. <laughs> Humor, humor, Lady Gaga's experience. You got to see that Lady Gaga. Should be hard to imagine Merle Haggard coming out of a womb, you know, with his <laughs> legs behind his ears. All right. So now that that vision has ruined my day completely, let's just kind of get into the topic here. So this panel's about how artists are making money today. This is obviously a digital and tech conference, so I want to try to focus the discussion on both the challenges and opportunities facing artists you know, in the, in the digital internet app type of landscape. So what I want to start with is, Kristen, you've done the... You guys have done the study. If you can mm-hmm. kind of give us, I, I mean, I know you've, you've looked at a lot of different revenue channels in that yep. study. Let's, let's stick to the top ones, the yep. real relevant channels of how artists are making money today. I want you to break that down a little bit for us. And if you could, if it's possible at all to kind of delineate a little bit between the you know, yeah. what indies versus majors as well, because I think there's some differences there. So sort why don't you kind of yeah. give us the, 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 the landscape picture for a second. So as I mentioned, we had tried to examine this through the Artist Revenue Streams Project. And on my card here, I have a URL, money.futuremusic.org slash SFMT for San Fran Music Tech. You have links to all of our work. I was just trying to compile it so I didn't have to keep mentioning things. You can go look at it online. The revenue streams, when we started asking people about them, they varied a lot for a number of reasons. And I'm going to talk about what the core ones were, but you have to think about this. How a touring band makes money is very different than how a composer who writes bumpers for TV makes money, which is also very different than how a highly trained violinist that does freelance work makes money. So it's important to remember those differences because how you, you know, even analyze how musicians make money depends a lot on the genre, the roles you play, and the kind of career path you have, the trajectory. But when we looked at the artist revenue streams of this 5,300 folks who completed our survey and also some interviews we did, live performance money was the biggest chunk of money that was the most likely for musicians to be participating in. Now, a little caveat, there's a, most people think, most musicians think of income from live performance as a gross number because they're usually seeing the money, you know, like, I got paid 600 bucks to play this show, $600 in my pocket, but usually musicians are also paying to do that. There's costs associated with touring and live performance that we can't forget about. So that was one big one. The second one for the people we looked at was income from uh, being a salary player or a session player because we had a lot of uh, classical folks who are AFM members and in orchestras who are a significant part of our musical ecosystem and still get paid a salary to, to do their work. They get a paycheck. The other ones below that were income from sound recordings, and for us, the or the way we categorized that was like it could be retail sales, it could be sales on iTunes, it could be how much your money makes on digital performance royalties when it's streamed on Pandora or played on Sirius XM. Below that was income from compositions, which is any sort of mechanicals or compositional-based PRO money that you could make if you wrote the songs. And then below that, at least for our survey respondents and people we talked to, was merchandising and branding money. Um, now that changes a lot if you start talking to more, um, profe- like not professional, but higher end musicians where the branding money becomes not only a, more, a bigger part of their revenue pie, but also 
there's way more opportunities as far as branding and sponsorship. So let's keep it to those top five. Yep. Okay. And then this real quick question before I want you, I want both of you guys to respond as to how your personal experiences fit with the survey that they've done. But what's between the number one and number five and kind of give me the spectrum as uh -huh. to the range of, 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 of how, I don't know if you guys actually measure dollar figures or anything like that, but it's like, is, is, is number one live performance like what? 80% or like, you know, give me an idea like, the, as to what chunks these represent. In a chunk of value, we didn't do, well, I, I don't remember what chunk, we did calculate it, I just don't know it, but it was 28% of the aggregated income came from live performance. So if you piled up everybody, 5,300 people's right. money, 20, I think it was 28% was because of live performance. And then from there? From there, they get smaller. And <laughs> in, income from sound recordings was 6%. Income from compositions was 6%. So they, you know, they were smaller pieces. But I will say this. The caveat is that there were, um, you know, this was a part of the population that took the survey just doesn't participate in that, in that as much as other uh, types of musicians do. Fair enough. So, Ray, you're an artist, you've been recording artists, touring artists, you've done all kinds of, you know, how, how, do, how does that break down in, in revenues that Kristen just uh, gave for us reflect your reality? I mean, was that, was that would you say that's fair, that's accurate, or, or was well, yours a 28 different 28% from touring? Yeah. Live performance, yeah. Yeah, possibly, yeah. I mean, I don't have that numbers, but mm -hmm. Dead Kennedys, I mean, we've been around for like two or three um, centuries. <laughs> and we and the, the fun thing is like at the shows now we have three generations like you know a, a grandfather a father and a and a eleven year old, um, but but you know primarily you know we're, we we um, our act is very very uh, well most of our money is actually because we own our masters has been from you know sales of, of, of stuff and licensing to films and movies and composition like I'm, I'm one of the major songwriters in the band and, and so I know the songwriting side and all that so so live licensing and, and sales are, are kind of yeah, what talking about. yeah okay and Steve um, I'll say that for 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 Incubus um, I'll keep pretty close track of this stuff. About 80% of their income is from touring. And um, because they're a, a bona fide live attraction. So if you're in a band or you're, or you're an artist that's not going to be a classical violinist or a um, studio musician, which I reckon is a very small, any classical violinist in here? Session musician folks? People that want to be in a band? Okay. Are there any musicians um, out there? or is it uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the touring business is uh, your biggest source of income. It's also your uh, least confrontational source of income. Um, you get paid the fastest. You play the gig. You show up. Um, you get typically half the money up front, half when you're done. No lawyers required, no six-month accounting periods, no holdbacks. You show up, you get freaking paid, 80% of your money, right? The, the biggest chunk of dough for us after that would probably be merchandising, but much less than you think. But there are bands that do bigger merchandising. Some bands you know, do 15, 20 bucks a head, not Incubus, a little bit more modest than that. Um, and the area of money that I think would be the third biggest is publishing income. And, I, and I'll throw publishing income in terms of not just the, 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 the record, the, the mechanical royalty side of publishing, which is what you used to get paid for selling a record, is clearly down because for rock bands in particular, their sales are 20% of what they were in days gone by. But for bands that get lots of airplay, 
uh, like Incubus around the world. They still get a big chunk of ASCAP, BMI royalties, and that kind of stuff. Um, the areas of income that are actually growing, not huge yet, but growing, are licensing your music. And because there's so many different places to license it, um, commercials, TV shows, you know, there's so many shows on cable TV. There are video game operate, uh, op options out there that just weren't there back in the day. And, and I see, you know, when you talk about other things for not necessarily a rock act, but some of the pop acts, this whole merchandising branding income is ridiculously off the chart, but it's for a very select few. So that if you're, you know, Beyonce, you can have a perfume. They'll pay Beyonce $40 million to go and do a Pepsi commercial, but they wouldn't pay her that kind of money unless she was a huge, well-known artist. Uh, so um, touring is where it's at for a rock band. Steve, uh, Steve I have a question. Sure. So what happens if someone breaks a hand? Breaks a hand? Uh, we had that happen. Not broke a hand, but we had our guitar player um, uh, had a carpal tunnel syndrome, and it's a clusterfuck is what it is. And, 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 uh, what, and, and is this what it was 10 years ago? Was it 80%? It's always been big. I've only ever managed rock bands, I'll tell you that. And... Um, and that's what was what, the percentage 10 years ago? It's, you know, it's... It's seventy. It's been sixty to eight, sixty percent back then. And I say that only because, you know, the band was earlier in their career. So there's there's something to be said about you know, getting big guarantees. You know, that's that, that's obvious. Um, but there was a bigger share of our income came from recorded music. The the actual number of live music has been strong for a while, but percentage wise, it's gone up because some of the other ones have dropped. Which is where I think I think that's the point Ray's trying to make. Yeah, I mean, it's ten, 10 years ago. I mean, I, I, I understand. I mean, is Incubus on a major label? They were on a major label. Did they, they get an advance? Oh, yeah. How much was it? Uh, <laughs> significant. Not, significant. I'll say this. We didn't get a big advance in the beginning. We got a big advance after they'd sold three platinum records in a row, and we had to sue the label to get paid, which is, you know, truth well, be told, the dark side of the record business. Record labels are not in the business of paying artists royalties. That's, that's a myth. Um, they're, they're in the business of <laughs> and, getting their money I like to point back. out that the internet is also in the same business of yeah. not paying artists. Um, so let's, let's go ahead and jump right and into Ray it, then, shall we? go into that. Let's go, Ray. <laughs> All right, so the internet, obviously, a broad term. So let's, let's, let me just focus a bit more, you know, digital downloads, streaming services, things like that. Basically ways of distributing recording music to fans. Ray, you're saying that that isn't really a great money maker for artists these days. Why don't you kind of explain your point of view on well, that? Well, here's, 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 here's the way the internet has been structured, you know, through um, loopholes in the laws. Like I, here I have a picture of a website. It's called mp3skull.com, based in Russia, and here they get all the dead Kennedy stuff for free. <laughs> and uh, and they didn't ask our permission, obviously. The Russia, I, in Russia, I presume I've been to Russia. Their their necks are big and their arm, you know, it's it's so it's, it's, gang, it's a mean, gang. There's a certain but no no. But over here we have a ad for Alaska Airlines. Uh, ad for 1-800-Flowers, and I've seen ads, I don't have it here, for, you know, Meet Russian Girls, and during the election, that was joined the Mormon Church. 
And um, now, now, now the problem. Yeah? Does the yes. Yeah. The the problem is is like you know these are placed by ad networks. I don't know if you know what an ad network is. But you sure. should learn if you're going to be working in the internet because that's where the money is. And it's you know one of the biggest ad works is uh, Google AdSense. I think you Yahoo has one. Double click. So. Uh, so the webs, this Russian website pays their servers. Um, they, they're making about $175,000 each. Uh, have Mercedes Benz. The ad networks are I, making money, and they have Lamborghinis. Are you getting, it, and you're seeing no no revenue from? They this don't pay the artist a dime. Okay. Well, and what, and, and basically, in, in my in my opinion, and no one has challenged this. Basically, there's there's. Uh, there's opportunists on the internet that have taken advantage of artists to, um, they basically make more money than the creators. And they're very short term because they're kind of killing the goose that lays the golden egg. But what do you expect from a 28 year old billionaire? Well, let you me know? ask you a quick question. So this is a good point. So now there's a spectrum of services that are out there. What was the name of this one again? The MP3 Skull, I think you called it? Yeah, okay. it's in the, That's going to be kind of on top, one side of... It's on the top 20. Sure. Of, 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 of you know... Let me, let me focus on the other side of the spectrum for a second. You know, your iTunes or, you know, Spotify and Rhapsodies and, and those other types of things. I mean, these are, I would say, uh, far more, in my opinion, legitimate services. They, yeah, they no, are paying the, out plenty in royalties and the, whatnot. There are legal services. Like, I mean, like iTunes is kind of good. They basically pay they take 30 and they pay their expenses out of that 30 and they give 70 to the rights holder you know in my case it's the band in you know if it's on a major you know then you have to fight with the major for it but they pay out 70 but but take take for example like YouTube which is all you know basically a streaming service you know because they're dead Kennedy things which is our logo and the whole song plays so their deal is is they split it 55 45 55 to the artist, 45 to them, but it's after expenses. And so you, you, so when you um, go look in it, you know, I looked at their financial reports, Google's basic expenses are 36%. So taking 36% off the top and then split it at 45, 55, it kind of works out, they're paying the rights holder, the creator, the con, whatever, 35% and taking 65%. So uh, Google, uh, YouTube's profit last year was what, about $1.2 billion profit, and they paid out about $600,000, I mean million dollars. So if they had done the same percentage as, say, iTunes, you know, 30-70 instead of 65-35, that's, that's about a difference of $600 million. Now, if you take a uh, middle-class musician, say, 50000 a year, year in, year out, divided into 600,000, that's 12,000 people that Google has siphoned the money off, and that's 12,000 people that are now kind of working in the salt mines, salt mines of Walmart. How much, how they're much not did making MTV pay? What? How much did MTV pay artists? MTV is not a streaming service. Know, it's I'm radio. Just, I'm just seeing the the equivalent of early video. 
was that you actually had to pay but a you're, lot no, of money. You're, you know, to we're get... talking about a streaming digital uh, service oh, I know. right now. Streaming, streaming and radio are two different things. I'm talking about MTV, the old school video service, you know, like the TV stations, where it was really hard to get. You're not responding to what I just said. You're okay. talking, you're, you've changed I think, well, let, me, let me jump in. I think I'll the. Pl- okay, you go ahead. I'll respond. You know, Ray, you got to figure out where the money is and where there is the least path of resistance. So as I hear your story, and I think everything you're saying is true. Um, it may turn out that the music part of this equation, right, uh, which is one piece of the income pie, is not going to ever be what it was. Okay, and so I think the question is how oh, you I, can. I, I disagree. Uh, okay, I, well, disag- I disagree because back back in we're going through the, uh, a revolution. Back in the 1900s, we had an industrial revolution. And, and we're going through the same process now. Uh, it's bigger than I thought. But back in the Industrial Revolution, the capitalists, you know, Rockefeller, Carnegie, one of the big components of the Industrial Revolution is they figured out that children could, would work for half the rate of adults. And that was, a, that was one of the innovations that made things cheap for the consumer. But, and, the pro, and the problem is, is like if you have a, uh, uh, like 100 companies, 99 don't want to screw children. But one person is willing to do it, but because of free market forces... So let me, that, let me no, that, what, boil this down to it. Okay, I, 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 I just I'm, want to get to the ceiling you know, point on this. this, this I'm getting the... Well, I'm, I'm, they're listening. I'm, so, <laughs> they haven't started out, throwing out of the, out of the 100 companies, you know, one's, one's doing the... It'll be shorter if you don't interrupt. So out of the 100 companies, one's you... So the other 99 are forced to use uh, child labor in order to compete in the market. And that's how it went for a while until society decided that that wasn't cool and changed it. And people that say that we have, the, the internet is not the weather. It was created by humans as, as are arts factories. And, and to give up is one of the worst things. I'm, I'm shocked, Steve, I'm shocked. But the, the thing is, is when society realizes that YouTube, you know, just theoretically has put 12,000 independent musicians, and the reason I support independent musicians is because they're the ones that innovate because they're not trying to be on the top 40. And it's like, you know, Muddy Waters was it, you know, I mean, he worked for a label, but he, he influenced rock music for still net to this day. Right. And now, right now, he could not exist. And that's what I would like to fix. And it is fixable because the money is there. It's in Russia. How do you fix it, Ray? You've identified the problem. How do you fix it? How do you get society to play ball and everybody just get that genie back in the bottle? Get that genie. The person that figures that one out is going to make a billion dollars. That's why I'm here. It's education because because the the, the big tech internet companies, I mean, you have to understand the, the, the... I mean, most of you are probably tech people, and you have to realize you're kind of in a, you're, you're, you're competing with monopolies now. Like iTunes has 80% of downloads, YouTube is the video place, uh, Amazon is a monster, you know, Spotify is a monster, and, and the th- my suggestion would be is, is, is to think, you know, they're just, they're just killing the, the goose. The really smart tech people, which um, you know, me and some musicians are starting to talk to, is to have a uh, an actual artist 
friendly website, you know, where, where like the artists are treated fairly, and then you tell the public that. Because basically what, what the internet is kind of doing is like, here, you're getting a free ride. Free music's wonderful, but the, on a, you know, you're getting a free ride on a carnival horse and they're starving the carnival horse. And they're not gonna tell you. It's just like the corporations back then did not change the child okay. labor laws. We, we're, I think we got that point. So responses, that, there you go. You've got your supporters in the crowd. We're gonna get, we're gonna get to some questions here uh, later on in the, in the panel and whatnot. <laughs> so one of the things I wanted to, I wanted to raise a, 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 a question basically, which is that, when you talk about, we talk about the number of streams that we're seeing, whether it's YouTube or, or, or other services, number of downloads that you're seeing from iTunes, things like that. There's different value to that that I want the panel to, the rest of the panel to also have a chance to uh, comment on. And one of which is that there's the payment that, that comes out of it, but there's also, you know, the knowledge, the data, the analytics, the, uh, the, the ability to have, so, so as a manager, um, talk to me a little bit about you know, Ray raised a very good point in that yes, there's a lot of streams that take place on YouTube and whatnot. The revenue from that is not exactly uh, a huge contributing factor necessarily to uh, just to an artist's bottom line. But it what doesn't is the contribute other to anything. What, I got we, we got that part. But what I want to get to is what other value can be gained from that traffic other than just the direct royalty payment one that you see from your position with Incubus and other bands. Well, there's a couple of things. One, YouTube, you know, may not get as much money into people's pockets as it did before, but the fact that you can make some money at all um, from your your video streams is important. You know, you know Gangnam Style did a billion, so they make the easy rate. Okay, yeah. they, they you know eight million bucks goes to somebody. Now they're probably getting hosed by the label. Fair enough, but at least there's no. They're money getting hosed by Google. Hang on, we got we got that part. Yeah. So, oh, but the point is, there's more the issue. It, it, there's more money there than there was before, Ray. Even if it's a muddy drink of water in the desert, okay, it's better than no money at all. And and things are changing. Okay. Well, thank and, you, Massa. Okay. Thank you, Massa. Uh, okay. How the name in Cambodia? Uh, uh, you know what? You have that great punk spirit about it. But you know, it's one thing to be punk, Ray. It's another thing to you know identify a problem and say that well, we're just going to get everybody to be nice. I I, I wish I is anybody living in that world where everybody's just going to be nice. So there's some things that are changing. YouTube is generating some money. If you're an artist today, an indie artist or a major label artist, because it's not just indie artists that are great making great music. The Beatles weren't an indie artist. They made music that, that, that transcended. So being you know in the machine is, is okay. You have ways to communicate with your audience today uh, that don't necessarily put money in your pocket, but they allow you to have a conversation with your audience. That's important and in building any business is to have a personal relationship with your customers. You used to have to go through radio, Rolling Stone magazine, MTV to have that connection. That's a big step up from where it used to be. There are applications out there that allow artists that once they've gotten people's attention to transact on their own. And had the Dead Kennedys had some of these tools back in, in the day. You guys would have made even more money if you could have sent a tweet out with a picture of your dead Kennedy shirt on there and somebody could click buy on the button and now the money's gone into PayPal. No, we, we gone, have... Hang on, Ray. Gone into your account and now you've shipped him the shirt. If the record company could find a way to pay artists for every sale that's actually happened without a six-month holdback, without all the bullshit that comes with it, you know, it would be a different business. If a record label executive or an ASCAP BMI or a publisher got paid, Paid every six months and 20% was held back and you tell them, hey, 
Here's the new deal, bud. You get paid when the artists get paid. Watch that guy go get your money, okay? Dude. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Ray's got me all freaking worked up here now. Hit Ray. So the, the point of it is, is that... But you're well, talking about the old model. Major no, labels are on the way Ray, out. we're living in you're today's talking 10 world. 10 years ago. Okay, we're living in today's world, and it's not great. You still got to go out there and perform. You still got to get people's attention. But artists today have a few more tools in the... In the in the, in the bag than they had in days gone by, and I, I think I, I it's agree. not great. Could be better, but it's not as it's not as fucked up as it used to be. No, I'm saying, wait a minute, Kristen needs a chance to talk so about. You I guys also, are both going on now. I also want. Okay. I also want to remind folks the that there are revenue streams that didn't exist that are exist now that didn't exist ten years ago, twelve years ago. Digital performance royalties, the money that goes from the webcasters from Pandora, SiriusXM, all the webcasters to Sound Exchange that gets distributed simultaneously and directly to the performer and the sound recording copyright owner. And if you own both, you get all of it. So there's things like that. There are new mechanical royalties. There's digital digital streaming mechanical royalties. There are royalties on cloud-based payments, which I'm starting to see on my IOTA uh, statements from people matching up their stuff on the cloud. There are um, interactive service payments. You know, there's a lot of stuff and they might be micro pennies. Yeah. Interactive, so if your music is streamed on uh, Spotify, Rhapsody, all that stuff, there's uh, a payment on the sound recording being streamed. And micro payments in some cases, fractions of pennies in some, <laughs> in some cases, but these are rights that exist now that didn't exist 10 years ago. So let no, me just the, right, the rights actually kind of don't exist. They, be because they because do uh, exist. these Russian because these Russian sites Well, it's not everyone pays anything. attention to them. But I mean, I think the Russian sites, I get your point. I would be pissed off no, with well, my well, music let, too. Let, but let I mean, me that's let, a, that's let, a small let me clarify something. I like I said, I had I had the computer. I loved the internet. Like driving over here, I looked on the internet to see what traffic was and then I found I went like San Francisco and I found where park I'm sorry? Not while you're driving though. <laughs> Absolutely not. You know, not. I got enough problem with the three people on the stage. All right, come on. I did it break, before. I did, I did it before, and then I found that the you know I found a parking space. The the internet is wonderful for sharing information. The whole thing that's like the big elephant in this room is the monetization of all that stuff. And the thing is, is yes, yes. I mean, uh, the technology has changed, but that's not really the issue because back in the the you know back in 1910, the reason they're called mechanical royalties is because they had player pianos, and and people had to like. You know, like uh, the, the songwriter said, well, if you're going to put that on a piano and play it in someone's house, I created that. Somebody's making money on the piano, somebody, which is your iPod, and somebody's making on, uh, money on the roll, which is your MP3 file. You know, they're making money. They just need to, you know, it needs, society needs to demand to share the money. Not only is society, but it's actually part of the American Constitution, Sec uh, Section 8, where that, you know, authors, creators are supposed to, and the reason that that is is because copyright, trademark, and patent are like the sole thing, the sole thing to protect creators from greedy businessmen. And and the, the, all these value, all these streams are true, and I and I, I and I take advantage of them. But you know, but but you know, back in the day, I did I did a, a, a thing with uh, Virgin Publishing. 30-70 split, 70 to the band, they took 30. Out of that 30, they, they, they give us the money, they financed our, first re our second recording, and then when the record came out, they spent out of their pocket for promotion.
and Google, Google's YouTube is given us, taken 65, and even with Lady Gaga, who does all the work, they're not giving her jack shit for promotion. Let me read They're not giving here. her jack shit to make new costumes. Right. You know, they're, 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 I what? think that the... Japan's hair if they're getting the free music, the faded music for free. I'm not saying it to me. I'm just you like well, but, but why they should be care because because the, the the okay that's a good question because the the the, 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 the ultimate question. I'm gonna ask no, you guys the, to wait till we have the well, Q and A. Now you're getting into the big intellectual issue is like who owns your files on the internet. Well, this is the like point on, that I want to get to. Right? On, face, on Facebook, you post pictures and stuff. Who owns them? <clears throat> Well, here's the thing. I want to bring up a. You raised the the whole mechanical it's, part. It's a privacy the player issue. piano. The, the the player piano and the and mechanical noise that really raises a very interesting point that I think I want to try to get into with the panel, which is the fact that both the copyright uh, model, the artist compensation model, all those models basically existed when we treated music as essentially a product. And what we're what we're in the middle of right now is music not necessarily being a product, at least not all the time to more of an experience. And, and what the music industry has not really been doing as much of, and I think that we would all agree could probably do a better job of, is to try to start trying to monetizing the experience of music and not just the product that is being sold. And I think that's where a lot of these um, issues form. So, so I want to kind of wonder, is there, does, there, does there need to be a different way well, of compensating artists around that experiential model well, as opposed to the product model? Well, I'm going to let Steve the, go the first. Grateful, we talked about the last time I was here. The Grateful Dead were on to that very early on in the ballgame. They, they let you set up your recorders out in the audience and you know, so you had all these high-tech back-of-the-day things going on. And the Grateful Dead figured out, Ray, that it wasn't about selling music. It was about selling the party, right? So they had these booths out in the you know, in the parking lot at, uh, you know, at the venues, and they did a separate split with the promoters so that they got a take of all the little booths that were selling incense and God knows what. And, and so they were never, for them it was never just about the music, and it turns out they were well ahead of the ball game. Now, the fact of the matter is, if you wanted it to be about all the music, you know, that game's been chipped away at by the fact that there are lots of people out there that think that they should just get music for free and for those people that say why shouldn't I just get it for free I say well why can't I just go in your refrigerator and have a fucking beer okay um, how can I why can't I go out with your girlfriend and let's be free okay let's let me have the keys to your car you're not that, gonna hit me again that meant no I'm not I'm keeping my hands over here okay actually I disagree with Steve on okay the shocking okay I can, uh, <laughs> Actually, actually, music can't. I mean, this is a tech conference, right? The money is in monetization. You draw eyeballs and you sell advertising. Music can be. It, it is free. And music is making money, and it is free. That, that's the disconnect. They're, they're, they're basically, like pirate sites are on the payroll of multinational corporations, and on the, they're on the payroll of ad networks. Billions of dollars are being made from music, and not just music. It's like books, films, and 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 our graphic artists, which the whole touring thing doesn't apply to. So there's a bigger issue going on here, and the, you know, basically these pirate sites that are giving you free music are on the payroll of multi. I mean multinational corporations right. but they so, exist Ray because somebody's going there nobody's putting a gun to anybody's head so I don't know how you get that no 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 the, the gun goes with me the head the, the there's a difference between like sharing sharing you know like uh, 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 
you know, with friends and family. And there's a profound moral difference that, that people are missing, sharing with friends and family or, and distributing it on the internet for profit. And that profit should be shared with the, with the workers. Otherwise, it's just capitalist exploitation Whoa. like the 1900s. And that, and, and that was changed back then. And it can be changed now. And that, and no, I, I'd say, Ray, it hasn't been changed. It's just been moved offshore. Okay. I mean, well, so let right the, okay. I'm, I'm going to take this a sharp turn to the left because I okay. think we it's already get pretty it. left. All right. I think. <laughs> okay. Fine. We're going to get steered back to the right a little wow. bit. Wow. Thanks for you, you screwed me up on that one. How about this? I'm we, having we, fun though. We've been talking a lot solutions. about solutions. Solutions, right? We've been talking a lot about recorded music. We've been talking a lot about the piracy issue and things like that. I would like to bring up a completely different area of this, which is more about the live experience, the merch experience, these other areas of revenue that Kristen brought up at the beginning of the panel, which to me seems ripe for opportunity to uh, expand that percentage point that it is today by applying more of this digital tech experiences to it. Like, for instance, the merch table still blows me the hell away that you know in this day and age where I can stream an album from my phone while I'm riding my bike I have to stand in line for 20 minutes with a bunch of smelly people to pay $20 for a t-shirt you know and, and then oh and wait in line at the ATM before I even get to wait in the line for the t-shirt like the why you know where are the opportunities within the uh, the app internet tech experience to make those experiences better and more monetize and bring more money to artists that's that's the question I have I got it. one of the things that's been great in the concert business is these you know these smartphones right so you walk into a venue now and it identifies that you're in the venue and if Live Nation was of the mind to give ticket upgrades and the same thing they do with throwing the t-shirts out of basketball games you could get a little email and say hey Mr. Rennie you've been elected to to stand in the pit and uh, if that's a, if that's a win and by the way there are no smelly people at Increase concerts I'll have you know uh, um, uh, so those kind of things are great I was at a basketball game the other night and I was reading where AEG, uh, who've done a lot of clever things, are now trying to super serve their high-end customers by allowing you to order your caramel corn and your two beers and they pick up your, they'll be able to pick up your seat location and deliver your beers because if I've picked up one thing out of this generation of young people, they want their stuff the way they want it right now and they don't want to have to go and think about it, right? There's a, there's a certain bit of entitlement to this whole generation of people, some of which they'll have to get over, but there's a lot of it that that technology is wonderful at helping you be lazy and productive at the same time, you know? And and so those are the kinds of things. So if I could sit at the, my song, when the, my favorite song comes on and all of a sudden comes an email going, dude, we got that great looking shirt, you know, uh, we can have somebody bring it to you at the gig, they'd probably sell more shirts. The reason people have always sold more shirts at gig is because they're fired up, they're seeing their artists, right. and it's right. the same reason well, people do more drugs and alcohol when they go to so a bar or a party. So is it not happening because no one's thought of it, or is there something about that system that makes it difficult to, is part there a roadblock there habits, somewhere? Part of it is old habits. The music business are creatures of habits, and that's that's why the record labels weren't, they really weren't the people to go ahead and see where this was going. It was computer people and technology people that would see where it's going because they're in the business of, of moving the needle. The music industry, truth be told, was in the business of protecting this game that worked so well for so long that they just couldn't see it coming. And even when they saw it coming, the people were there that didn't have the mindset to deal with it, if you ask me. That's my opinion. Other smart people would disagree, but I'll, I'll stand by that. 
I, I, I think a, Steve has a great, I mean, this is a really great solution. I'm, I, as an adult at 45, do, just don't really want to stand in line for a t-shirt or a hat, even though I might want it. But I've seen it actually at the really tiny level too, like really small indie bands playing shows and Square on their iPhone makes it possible for them, them to take credit cards. Huge. I mean, I've, I've heard bands talk about it. Like I was at a show and they were selling their split cassette that they had made with another band and they were using Square. And it was like way more transactions happening because they could yeah. take credit cards. But some, some venues don't allow you to use Square. You have to use their credit card. Oh, well, right. I mean, that, that, that's, that's what I'm trying clubs, to get yeah. at here. It's like, where yeah. are those roadblocks? That, that's a in minor America? issue. Okay. Those are the people yeah. that are in the protecting game and sooner or later those protectors go out of the game uh, at some point it takes a while you know you talk about the mechanicals that was something back in 1910 and we're still talking about mechanicals in 2013 it doesn't change overnight but what's happening today that's the big sea change in the music business is the customers are driving in a business where the industry drove for years distribution the price when you get the record when you're going to hear it and it's taken now 20 years of absolute freaking disruption now every Everybody in the music business is pretty convinced it's not going to be the same animal. Will it take 20 years to, to shape what the new animal is? Maybe. And if you're an artist in there, you may miss the window. Truth be told, uh, uh, in that change, you may miss the great opportunity. That's the luck of the draw of life, you know? And so, but it is changing, and more people are listening to music than ever before. More people are getting involved with it from an earlier age, and that can't be a bad thing at the end of the day. How we, how we get to a place where the artists are compensated and rewarded for it, I'm not certain of the answer, but I know this. That many people listening and people that are out there motivated to figure it out will we'll figure it out. Do we have well, anyone with a microphone in the audience to take uh, uh -huh. questions? Because I'm gonna remove myself from any <laughs> illusion of control. Don't get depressed, Anthony. You've done great. Every time he hits that table, it scares the shit out of me. So I'm gonna let you guys jump in instead. So we have several in this front row, and we'll kind of start working our way. Um, I just wanted to say something about the um, about customers buying music. That um, one of the the main aspects in my mind is is um, socializing the experience of buying music online. So I think Bandcamp is doing a good job of that right now. I think it's like a really big push forward because somebody posted something a while back about like, why would you pay 350 for a latte, blah, 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 but you won't pay 99 cents for this song. And I just responded saying, because nobody sees you steal the song, you know? You can't, you can't, you can't get away so with stealing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna drive Nobody you guys towards you, you know? questions when you have so, the microphone. So okay, do, do you have it? But are there other opportunities like that that you guys know of? For socializing, the other opportunities music for socializing. Well, well, like Kickstarter, like the whole yeah, fan funding, the whole fan funding experience is basically a way of an iteration of that. But I think Bandcamp is really interesting, and if there's someone from Bandcamp here that can verify this, that more people overpay on the variable pricing. You know, if you're say like suggested price eight dollars, more people pay over that then, well, I don't know. It's a well, decent number. Radiohead put their record out, like, pay what you pay, and they've never done it again. That's because so. it was <laughs> a really horrible because experience. Because they had too much money coming in? <laughs> yeah, that, no, yeah, no. they had much, too much money. <laughs> I'll tell you something to your no, point, but, uh, though. Listen, listen, listen. It's not about the fans getting stuff for free or stealing. It's about the pimps that are running the websites. You can't go, you know, that like back, back 10 years ago, like the internet companies went to Congress and they passed the law where you do takedown notices and they went to the record industry and said, oh, we're not responsible. You have to go over to the fans and the record industry went after the fans and lo and behold, the fans hate them. And meanwhile, they're sitting there like, mm, getting the money and it's the pimps. You know, and it's pimps that, you know, these pimps, pimps like, like, like iTunes at least pays their girls 70%, but, but you, 
but but Google's only paying 35%, you know, and like and, and trying to say, oh, it's a new opportunity. You're, you're going to have a big career. Uh, we had a we had a patient woman over here since the very beginning. I wanted. I think you should do a new time. album called Pimps and Hoes, right? And I think that's been done, Steve. Got, okay, right, okay. I think so that's so been, tough I think to be original. Been, Okay, so. Kristen, uh, East Bay Ray interrupted you, and I was quite keen to hear your con- your point on MTV and the old school. Oh no, no, I was just I was trying to make a equivalent of like being able to see a video of a band, and prior to like 2002, the version of, that we all were accustomed to was MTV, and you didn't get paid if your stuff so was played on MTV. You just you actually had to, yeah. Anyway, that was that was what I was the point I was trying to make. Okay, Ray, this is where you apologize for interrupting. <laughs> Ms. Zoe Keating, ladies and gentlemen, what can we do hey, for you, man? The moderator said I could interrupt. <laughs> he did. <laughs> yeah, but so can I. Be, be, but she, but but there, but yeah, there's intellectual difference between a streaming service and a, like a radio type service, which MTV. You know, you can't choose it. So we're gonna get. Zoe. I have a little question. I'm not putting this forward as something I would support or would not support, but would it work for you? Ray, if uh, you know how um, with like the YouTube CMS system, they share some of their ad revenue with the copyright holders um, so that you get like paid per view if you have your music in a video or if someone uses your music in something. Would a similar solution with file sharing slash pirate sites work where you could get a percentage of the advertising revenue? Would that yeah, make I, it okay? I, I think one of, one of the Just solutions that tech people get is we need kind of like, a, like I say, the basic question, who owns your files on the internet and in how they're used? And, and, and a big digital library of commerce, because every photo, music, text piece has a little tag because this is how the data mining companies make their money. They know what people are looking at. Stop that. It's very rude. You interrupted me. <laughs> but but if there's a day, there's a, so they, and, and then basically, you know, it's a digital library Congress so that, you know, any website that wants to do, you know, something, you know, different or something, they can get the stuff, they can get the, the content that draws the eyeballs. And and then and then they know who you know know who the owner is and who gets who the creator is, the laborer is you know you do have to pay labor in here, uh, and in how to pay so like a, a like snowcap back in the day was a one thing where you know everybody put stuff and. And, and the other, you know, the other thing is, is like the, these these illegal websites is like they're they're being supported by huge multinational corporations. Right. But I think what Zoe was asking was whether or not you would be open to if if MP3 Skull or whatever it was would suddenly start giving you a share of its revenue. Would that be? Yeah, based o- on would like you be the, open to that as a as a, as a compensation model, or do you want to? Yeah. Know oh yeah. No. No. I I don't. Like I said, uh, stuff can be distributed for free. Absolutely. It's just that the ad the ad money needs to be shared with the people. I'm going to take that, that as a yes. I guess yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. We, uh, that. Did I answer your question before I was interrupted? You, you were. An- I think. I think so. I think we have a question with the man in the sweater, and then and the inside, and then Carrie, because you interrupted earlier, so you're being punished. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, this question is for all you guys. With new technology comes potential new revenue sources. With bandwidth, pretty much, uh, the cost going to free last year. Artists of all genres and levels are now live streaming their performances online. How do you guys see that as a future 
kind of revenue source and uh, East Bay Ray, would you ever kind of think about doing live shows online to share your experience with the world? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I do like the Internet. I mean, don't get me wrong. I just don't <laughs> like the money. The monetization is just very, very exploitive. And, and very. I mean, I, ha I know... I mean, I know, I know, I know, I, I, I know Dave Grohl of the Foo Fighters, and I know, uh, you know, independent musicians from around here in San Francisco. Most artists don't want to talk about this issue because the fans don't want to hear it. You know, and unfortunately, but there's there's a vast army out there, and any code writers could think about like, I mean, basically, the it's it's creators that make the internet interesting. I mean, people share songs, they share photos, they share movies, and that's what needs to be that's what needs to be encouraged. So yes, absolutely, I would do it. So Steve, I, you, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Chris. I like, I think the idea of live performance, uh, especially if it's a monetizable event, like the way Stage It offers things is really, really interesting. I'm not sure it works for every band. I'm not sure I want to watch Incubus on a 14-inch screen because the reason you like Incubus might be the, the live show. So, I mean, I think it has, it's good for some folks and we'll see how much it grows over time. I think a great band would look good on whatever screen you're showing them. And I think what's interesting about the, the streaming thing, and I'm a big, big fan of it, is that when you're touring, there's the, the difficulty and the expense and in, in, in it wears you down going from city to city to city to make your case. And the truth of the matter is in the old days, the only way you were going to be able to get a TV type performance was to get invited on the big TV shows, all the gatekeepers, whether it's MTV, Tonight Show or whatever. So you didn't have an opportunity to present your music uh, except live. Today, you can go out there and put together a streaming type of concert. There's a band down in, in Atlanta that's doing some really terrific things on the streaming front, a band called The Quiet Hounds. You should check them out. And they're doing another event here uh, shortly um, where they haven't done a lot of touring dates outside their market, but they've done some very clever things in their market and they're actually getting fans in other places. You know, I'll talk about them, somebody else hears them and talks about them. And so that when they actually do get a chance to come and play in LA, I'll make the case that they're going to be better off than had they come in straight cold. And whether it's Stage It, where there are young bands that are essentially opening up the guitar case like you'd see in the subways in London or New York, uh, and asking people to pay, I'll be honest with you, I'm fucking blown away that they're, and I saw Evan Lowenstein out in the hallway and I need to confirm it because I'm one of these guys that hears the great story about how much money they made and I'm the guy who goes, show me. Right? Because I'm a manager. I don't, I don't buy stories I want the, I want to see the money and so if it's been true that people are actually doing that now it's awesome I, I also will tell you the incubus hasn't done any for for money but because it's because I believe we're in the touring business and letting people see a great live band even if it's on 14 inches might inspire them to drop 50 bucks and see the band in the flesh and so while I agree with everything you're saying Ray about the the money side of selling music going away that is kind of a dinosaur mentality of looking at the music business just as record selling, you know, and and maybe it's because I manage a band and I'm in I'm involved in the whole of their music career that I look at it that way. If I was wait, a record wait, company, wait, wait, I would feel differently. We're still selling music. 
Ray, we're still I, selling I, music. I, I, that I not get that. Us. I said, but here's I think the difference between you and I is that I'm not going to go at sleep at or stop sleeping at night trying to figure out all the guys are trying to screw me. I'm trying to figure out who the people that will play ball with me, right? But the, the and other, okay. and so, hang on. And so the people you got to do a better job today if you're a band of making it personal because it's much more difficult no, to no, steal from no. somebody you feel like you got a relationship yeah, with. The, the, pro- the, the problem with like Spotify and YouTube is there's 10 billion bands on there and and from my knowledge like a, a, unless you do a really 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 clever video most bands you can't find them and then bringing up like I know Amanda Palmer I just had dinner two weeks ago with Amanda Palmer and Neil Gaiman and and Amanda Palmer is like the kicks worked Kickstarter really really well but the problem is is this is the, you, what you sound like is a casino owner in Vegas it's like look somebody made a million dollars here in Vegas and you're not talking about all the hundreds of thousands of people that 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 didn't work and right, and that and and, and that, the that that that's that's the issue i mean I, yes there I will be successes few. in the future but the bottom line is is right for, since 2002 to now there's 45 percent fewer independent musicians 45 percent fewer she'll disagree with me because it's like I'll salary disagree with you ray there's a mil. you just said there's a million people out there they're all independent artists by your saying there's not no, 45 thousand less there's about that make three million more every day and the truth is they have the same problem as when it was 5,000 people that were putting out records. No, How do you stand about, out from the crowd? Uh, me, Steve, I'm, I'm talking about people that pay taxes and have money to finance their next recording. We yeah, there's, there's been musicians all the time, but there's 40, this is a Bureau of Labor Statistics, people that pay taxes. There's 45% fewer... <laughs> All right. There's some folks here that so much for so see that everybody wants. Oh, everything's wonderful. Just you know, just drink the soma. There's a lot of people that paid money (laughs) who have some questions that I want to give them the opportunity to ask their questions. So, sir, I know you got a microphone and you you have a question. So, loudly, please. Going back to the question, um, I wanted to know how we can pay you. Like as an aggregator, I want to showcase your music, but the laws are like. so weird i don't know how to pay you and like as a user everybody comes at one point he wants to hear your music her music everybody's music but i cannot reach all of you to pay and there's, then like if i well, go there's, to a okay, sound so you're, you're asking about licensing there's sound licensing exchange, issues. There's, there's there's sound exchange which uh, sound exchange in washington dc there's bmi there's ascap and a BMI and can't, uh, can't hear him. Yeah, he's saying that it's that it's a little bit complicated as to where he can go to strike these deals. You need to go to the Performing Rights Society right. so you could do a better job on all this. And don't worry about whether they're going to pay the artist because, you know what, you're going to lose sleep of it. If you've done your bit and can look somebody in the eye and say, hey, look, I did a license, whatever it might be, and that's a big subject of that's what's our, fair in today's world. That's, that's it's a, brand that's new territory, job. okay? That's our job, to, you know. Yeah. yeah they, they, they wrestle with the PRLs. Question. Like, Not co- question. What's my initial cost for my well, you got to call them up and ask. Answer. Yeah. In fact, you know yeah. what? When, yeah, sound when exchange, this is over with BMI, Krabby, I've got some resources for you. Okay. Kerry, go. Yeah. So I'll frame it as a question, not a Please. statement. So I would just love to hear, first of all, thank you for this very lively discussion, but I'd love to hear back to the solution. 
what each one of you see, so I'll share the mic, uh, about what you see as an opportunity and 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 uh, ways to deal with the, you know, you're in the t-shirt and concert industry, you know, you're all in these different aspects. So what would you like to see come forward, you know, because it's all screwed up. It's right. That's a given. So we're just looking to be in the solution mode, right? Of like, what would you like to see? How can we make this life better for everyone who wants to, as they were talking and funding, grow the pie and let's let's share some of the revenue and let's encourage people to make an accountable, visible transaction and say, hey, this is the way we go. This is how right. we improve the ecosystem. Everyone offer their their one solution for um for how we fix uh, the entire music industry. Yes. <laughs> You if I can start? Please, go ahead. It, it, this is going to sound ridiculously stupid. you got to write great music. If you don't have that, there is no technology that's going to polish your turd into a diamond. How do you get to Carnegie Hall? <laughs> There's... From the technology standpoint, I think that the from the audience for the folks in this room, I think better metadata and better presentation of data that makes the makes the, the um, connections between musicians that play on other records. You know, it's about like for example on iTunes, there's no column for label. You know, on the iTunes Music Store, the fact the fact that some genres are very poorly served by the way that the data the the music is presented and um, the way that it's searchable. So if you are like a specific conductor, really impossible to figure out. So there's technological solutions about displaying more metadata to make sure that there's, if people really get psyched about, I don't know, some particular drummer, they can follow the thread of what else, what else they played on. So therefore, just sort of increasing music discovery in that way. More but then the metadata on the other side too, making sure that the proper rights holders are paid. I, I second that one. I, I'm not supposed to weigh in here, but I think that's a great one. And just to let you know, there's a panel later today on that exact issue. Uh, right. Issue they should check out because I think that's a huge issue that we didn't even get a no, chance I, to yeah, touch on. Like Ray, even, want, even, want, even like, yeah, just agree with her point like like you know side musicians that played on some track yeah. i i want to know but, but the, the um i think a, a digital library of congress with and not just music you know films photos and micro payments and that that and you know the codes exist i mean uh, google's data mining is huge and Amazon's data mining is huge, and fa the technology exists now. It's just that there, there's there's been kind of a a, a lock-in to the way the internet works, and and if if this this if if some you know I mean there's there's big monopolies out there. So if if some tech uh, code writers want to get together with a whole bunch of artists and write code to protect them, that's like an open market because there's more money in Russia. Than there is in <laughs> than there is in what Google's paying. Can I just say I want to agree with you on something, Ray? Um, for the record here, um, I actually believe that that there is a technological way to go out and track every piece of music and video that goes that's, out there. That's how they sell well, what's they been, advertising. What's been, what's been missing, in my opinion, in the industry for any number of reasons is the will to track it. So when I kid around about if everybody got paid at the same time as artists, the whole payment process would get clearer and it would get faster, I believe it. Now, but the, 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 problem, the problem is that Spotify won't be transparent. Google won't be transparent because the, said, data mining, the, the data mining is their little copyright stuff that they make their money on and they're sure as hell not going to share it. That's our time. I'm going to stick with the fact that they agreed on something and I'm leaving it at that. Thanks for sticking out with us guys. Appreciate it all.